Okay, today I'm talking about programming. So all things training programs. And I'm gonna talk about two of the common approaches that multidisciplinary athletes take. So CrossFit hybrid or tactical athletes take when it comes to their programming. And the first one is combining multiple different training programs. The second one is doing it on your own. So showing up to the gym and going based off feel or trying to plan something on your own in advance. And I'm gonna talk about my personal experience with both of those approaches and why I think having an individualized program is the best. So not that there's anything wrong with those other two approaches, but if we're talking about optimal, then having an individualized program is best. So combining training, training programs from different sources. So this can be, you know, I've heard a million examples of this, but I'm doing the Smolov squat cycle and I'm doing the Pavel pull-up progression and I'm doing the, or I'm doing the hack squat program or I'm doing the PEAT plan or I'm doing, a catalyst weightlifting program, or I'm doing a powerlifting program from Juggernaut, or I'm doing a bodybuilding program from RP, and I'm doing Metcons from whoever, you know, so you get the idea. When you combine multiple training programs, some common problems that I see athletes running into and that I ran into myself when I took that same approach. One was under eating. So I didn't have the skills yet to fuel the amount of training that I was doing. And I was training two or sometimes three times per day. And so I was under eating, I was under fueled and therefore wasn't adapting positively to the training programs or as positively as if I had been fueling properly. The other is non-complementary choices. So a lot of times these programs are designed as peaking programs. And the reason for that is they typically run from anywhere from four to nine, sometimes 12 weeks. And they're designed to get you a very acute outcome, a very acute change. So if you look at the Pavel pull-up progression, for example, it is you know, measured in a certain number of weeks. And then it says, you know, go from 6 to 13 pull-ups, double or triple the number of pull-ups you can do in a max set in X number of time. And so in order to deliver on promises like that, they need to... Give you a ton of work and so it essentially functions like a peaking program You're, they're not necessarily guaranteeing you sustainable progress over a career they're guaranteeing you the outcome that will come in the time that you're doing the program in the four six eight twelve weeks that you're doing the program so that's a key thing to know some of them like the p plan are more base building programs and they can work better inside of this approach however a lot of the programs are designed are, are predicated on delivering on a promise in a short amount of time. And so in order to deliver on that promise, they are giving you a ton of work or, or, or too frequent intensity to be sustainable over a long-term career. Great for peaking though. Small off, same, same, same exact thing. So people run small off because they're like, I need my back squat is my biggest weakness. I need to do a really intense squat program to get my squat up. So I'm really just going to focus on that. So they pick up Smolov and they, they run that for eight weeks and their squat goes up, but they pick up a little nagging injury or something like that, or they didn't progress in any of their other training priorities because Smolov is so intense. It's intensity at a very high frequency and demands a lot of you. And because of that, you're gonna see results in your squat, but it was designed as a peaking program. And a lot of people don't know that. So yes, you will see results in the thing that you set out to improve, However, at what cost to your other training priorities or to your structure when we talk about long-term progress? If you have injuries coming from this approach of combining different programs, then you're 
sacrificing long-term potential for the sake of that short-term outcome. Okay, my personal experience with this was for a long time, I was competing in rock climbing and I was combining gymnastic strength training from Gymnastic Bodies and Eric Sommer with my rock climbing training. So in the morning, I would wake up and do gym, gymnastic strength training. And thankfully, uh, Eric Sommer is a great coach and he's very strict on the progressions that he gives you. The, his standards are extremely high. And so I was doing a lot of isometrics and a lot of things that weren't dynamic, a lot of really slow eccentrics and isometrics, things that weren't very likely to damage my structure. And then in the afternoon, I would go rock climbing. However, I was also dieting all the time during this time. So I was incredibly underfueled. I was doing the gymnastic strength training just on bulletproof coffee or butter in my coffee. And so I was totally underfueled and I was not making progress in, in my gymnastic strength training or as much progress in my rock climbing because I was simultaneously trying to do three different things. I was trying to get stronger from a gymnastic sense. I was trying to rock climb harder and harder. And I was dieting at the same time because I was thinking that leanness would be you know, part of the formula that led to better outcomes in my com competitive rock climbing. And so that's just an example of how when you combine all these three different intentions, they don't mix together. If I was just doing gymnastic strength training and saying, I really wanna progress in my gymnastic strength training and my rock climbing is secondary and my body composition is secondary, my leanness is secondary, then I would have actually made more progress in the long term, probably in all three, versus trying to do all three together at the same time. Okay, so common problems with that are undereating, non-complementary choices, and a lot of programs are designed as peaking programs. They're not necessarily designed with your long-term development as an athlete in mind. Okay, so three considerations there if you're thinking about combining training programs from different sources. Okay, making it up on your own. So this is the second approach that I've done plenty. And I'm gonna talk about some of the things that often come up for individuals who are choosing this approach. The first one is that your weaknesses get overcooked or undercooked. So you either avoid your weaknesses or you go so hard into your weaknesses, similar to the peaking program example, that all of your other priorities just fall off or and you're doing too high intensity too frequently and you may get results in a four, eight, 12 week period, but then your long-term progression is underdone because you are trying to peak and doing intensity with such high frequency. So that's something that I see a lot. Long-term load management is often not present. So you may be able to design a well thought through training session and have the ordering right and have the volume right and have the intensity right. However, when you look at your long-term planning, there often isn't one. So if, if I you know think back on the times where I've done this for myself and or I talk to plenty of individuals who are designing their own training programs. And I say, you know, what's your long-term plan? Like, what are you doing over Thanksgiving? Like, when are you deloading? Or what are you doing over Christmas? And they're just like, yo, I'm just like, I, all I do is train. <laughs> you know, all I do is train. Like, I'm not deloading ever <laughs> for any reason whatsoever. And so the long-term load management is often not present. And that's something that when you're looking at the long-term development, the multi-year career development of an athlete, especially multidisciplinary, then you want to be managing managing the load long-term. You want to have your scheduled deloads. I'm a big fan of proactive deloads. I know there's some people who are talking about reactive deloads now and doing it more based upon feel and perception of the athlete. I think that planning them in advance with a couple of weeks, plus or minus one or two weeks on either side of the deload in, in wiggle room to 
to adjust is ideal. So you want to have the expectations of the athlete managed going into the mesocycle that, okay, I'm going to do this for three to five weeks, and then I'm going to get a deload. And the more and more I do this, the more frequently I see shorter and shorter mesocycles. So closer and closer to that three-week mark and less and less of the five, even six-week mark. Six is, is six is just too long. I, I haven't seen someone go six weeks without needing a deload. And so less and less towards the five weeks and more and more towards the three weeks is what I'm seeing more and more, especially with fast twitch athletes, uh, athletes who are doing any sort of like hard contractions, the shorter mesocycles seem to work a lot better. Anyway, that's a side note. Okay, uh, the third one is no peak, going hard as a mother effer all the time and too frequent intensity. So I already touched on this one and it goes back to same thing when you're combining different programs, a lot of those programs are designed to peak you. And so if you're combining your, if you're, if you're basing your knowledge in your designing your own programming off of what you have gathered from small off or from a bodybuilding or a powerlifting peaking program, then you're going to imitate those peaking programs in your own training design. And so that leads to too frequent intensity oftentimes, and effort is not modulated enough. Whereas when you delegate your programming to a coach who's telling you, Hey, I need you to take it 70% on this, then you're probably going to get more easy training in and it's going to be better for your long-term development. Okay, so my example with this is actually pretty recent. So I went into, I was transitioning from CrossFit into bodybuilding. I had lots of injuries that I needed to take care of and I needed lots of slow eccentrics. I needed to like focus on the structure and get myself back to health to where I could express at a high level again. And some examples of nuances that I completely overlooked in the programming. I thought that a vertical pull and a horizontal pull would just work different muscles regardless of how you did them. Like one is vertical, one's horizontal. That was the level of nuance that I had. What I didn't know is that a horizontal pull can be lat dominant or rhomboid dominant or upper trap dominant. And so that is the level of nuance that you get with individualized coaching. And I thought that, oh no, I got this, you know, one's vertical, one's horizontal. I'll just keep both in my program and I'm hitting all my bases. Well, it turns out I was doing lat dominant vertical pulling and lat dominant horizontal pulling. And so I was completely torching my lats and underdoing my rhomboids and traps. And so that's an example of even inside of bodybuilding, which most people think is pretty simple. Now, when you talk about multiple disciplines, you talk about gymnastics, strength training, rock climbing, you talk about being CrossFit hybrid tactical, where you're doing strength and conditioning simultaneously. Now, the likelihood of you not knowing what's going on and thinking that you do and just piecing together, oh, no, I know I got this is even less because you have even more training hours and even more opportunities for things to go wrong. Okay, same thing with the pec. So I, I went, at one point I did chest press on a machine to eccentric failure. And if you know anything about hypertrophy, you know that the pushing muscles, especially the pecs and interior delts and triceps are fast twitch relative to the rest of your physiology. And so when you're an advanced trainee, you never want to take them to eccentric failure because it is one, it's incredibly fatiguing. And two, because they're fast twitch, it just creates too much muscle damage. Not that you don't want to have any eccentrics at all, but going to past concentric failure to eccentric failure and your fast twitch muscle fibers, oof, that's, that is a recipe for muscle damage and muscle damage that isn't optimal. And that's what I experienced. Biceps, I was doing mile rep sets with the biceps all the time because I was like, oh, it's an isolation movement and the biceps should be able to handle that. 
Well, I ended up doing too many mile reps. That's too many approaches to failure. And so I ended up with injuries in all three of those muscle groups, lat, pec, and bicep. Whereas if I had just acknowledged that, hey, I don't know how to do this on my own. I need guidance on how to go about this from the beginning, then I would have avoided those injuries. Okay, so either of these two approaches, combining multiple training programs from different sources or making it up on your own inevitably, in my experience, in my personal experience and in my experience talking to other friends who have done this, inevitably leads to injury fatigue and loss potential. So it's fine if you want to work hard, burn calories and get really tired, but it certainly is not optimal for your long-term development as an athlete. Now, when we talk about long-term development as an athlete, there are three things that we want to look for in the programming. We want individualization, we want periodization, and we want it to be delegated. So the first one, individualization, just means that someone is assessing you. So there's a consideration for where you are starting from and where you want to go. The second is periodization. So this is your long-term planning. This is your your days turn into weeks, turn into mesocycles, turn into macrocycles, turn into years, turn into a career. And when you periodize like that, you allow for peaks. So you allow for periods of higher intensity and periods of off-season or lower intensity. And the frequency of the peaks depends on how often you compete and what sport you're doing. And then it's delegated. And this is huge because essentially you are bringing someone else from the outside who can be more objective about this thing. Oftentimes as athletes, we have a lot of emotion tied up in our training. It's often the thing that we look forward to the most. It's like the most important part of our day. It's like how we identify socially is I'm an athlete. This is who I am. This is what I do. And so there's a lot of emotion tied up in your training program and how much you're working and how hard you're working. And so having a third party a coach come from the outside and you're saying, hey, I, I just need you to be more objective about this because I'm not capable of being objective about it is the way to go. Okay, guys, so that's what's optimal for long-term development, individualized, periodized, delegated training. If you are combining multiple training programs, nothing wrong with that. Or if you are making up on your own, nothing wrong with that either. Just be aware of those common pitfalls.